our life objectives are so similar. We like challenges. You know, we actually have quite a lot of fun at the same time when we're doing yeah. this stuff. And we can be really hard on each other. It's not that we're giving each other an easy ride. The misconception is that emotions run the business. There is a huge stigma of being a couple and being ambitious with business. It's one of the first things we tell people. I think people then see us as a single entity. We kind of have a natural divide of resources and share the shit and, you know, the dogs get walked and somehow it works. We would definitely start another business of some description I together. just find it far easier working with someone that yeah. you live with. I'm Trisha Bacon and this is Between the Spreadsheets, a series of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples in love and in business. And with millions of them across the globe, this is definitely a thing. So as we bust open the myths that exist around being a couplepreneur, we'll be finding out what it's really like and just how they juggle work, life, love, and everything in between. We were thrown into turmoil when our supplier from China decided not to supply us anymore. And when we then had to... Um, set up our own plant. Set up our own plant in China, having no experience in manufacturing. I had absolute faith in him at all times. Could he sort it out, please? The selling the companies, yeah, it was hard work, but it wasn't as hard for me because I wasn't in all of the negotiations. I was responsible for growth of a fast-growing enterprise. That was pressure, but it's something you just live with as a salesperson, right? And if you haven't got the gumption, don't do it. In this episode, we meet Lara and Charlie Morgan from Pacific Direct. Lara Morgan set up Pacific Direct at the age of 23. The business was a globally recognised supplier and manufacturer of retail branded amenities, think miniature soaps and shampoos, to world-renowned hotels. Moving from Hong Kong to London, Charlie joined the business after three years, and 17 years after its creation, with growth at a ferocious pace, it went on to sell for £20 million. Having taken some time out after the sale, the intention was never to stop working, and Lara is so passionate about giving back to enterprise and was involved in Startup Britain. The focus now is investing in health and wellness products that save both time and improve life. So welcome Lara and Charlie to Between the Spreadsheets. It would be great to know how and where you first met. Do you remember? Do I remember where we first met? Yeah, one drunken Sunday morning probably. Yeah, <laughs> on a junk in Hong Kong Harbour. Which I don't remember. <laughs> Not because of alcohol. So I grew up in Hong Kong, I was born in Germany. Went to school in Scotland, I was the expat brat child and I was quite well known for arranging quite good parties and we would just randomly invite people and hangers-on. Charlie was clearly one of the people, not just a hanger-on. He ended up going out with a friend of mine, so he was off-limits, which was disappointing. I always thought he was the best-looking man alive I'd ever seen, I still think that. I don't know, I was going out with someone else and in the end I was engaged to somebody else, but five years later I, that didn't happen. And I called Charlie up and said, where are you in the world? I, I need a holiday. By then I'd been three years running Pacific Direct. I didn't really care where I was going on holiday, I just needed a holiday. No, you had no idea where you wanted to go? No. So he, of course, took charge, gave me three options of where he would like to go on holiday. He was in... Were you in China? No, I was still in China then, yeah. Because I was just phoning my best mate, really. We both played a lot of sports in Hong Kong, got to know each other. But there was, um, there was no mobile phones in those days. It was either fax or letter, or telephone. Right. So it was usually by fax, communication. And, An occasional uh, phone call. We shortlisted and ended up in Sri Lanka. 
and sort of started a relationship that I think the rest of the world had thought had already been started a long time ago. But in the end, I came back to UK and we'd been corresponding, for want of a better description, by fax. And in the end, I, I wrote him a fax and said, I think you should work with me. I think you should move to UK. <laughs> And at the Rugby Sevens, he in Hong Kong, which is obviously deeply romantic, he fell to his knee and, and said, would you carry me? And I thought, would you marry me? So I took him on his word. <laughs> Brilliant. What year was that? Uh, what year was that? Uh, that's a really good question. How, I could you help. Me, yeah? 95. March 95. Saturday evening. Sunday morning. <laughs> so you had already set up the business at this stage, had you, Lara? Yeah, three years yeah. in. Pretty okay. tired. Did 108,000 in my first year, 360k as a one-man band in my second year in 1992, which does seem like a very long time ago. But, you know, I use those numbers today, even now, when I talk to my young entrepreneurs in the investee companies and say, well, if a one-man band in 1991 and two can do a little, then how are you doing? Because the pound is a different value today. Third year we did, we was I recruited the second gobbiest person on a hockey pitch, Rachel because I felt she had spirit and she was being paid 52 quid a week by a tourist company. I thought she could sell. So I employed, of course, a second salesperson, which was the last thing I needed because it's the only skill I have. But she and I continued selling. And then in the third year, we did 880,000 and employed Margaret. And I managed to convince Charlie to come back later that year. Okay, so so tell us more about that in terms of, was there a seminal moment in in no, asking no, no, Charlie no, to come in or no, what, what happened? It was, no, it was... It, after having been asked to, to get married in March, I was still living in Hong Kong, still working in Hong Kong. And it was decided that we were going to get married six months later because I said there's no point getting married unless you get married in a in reasonable rush. Can't bother with nonsense of engagement for stuff for years. So the company was so set up, so it was going to have you based in England more than likely. It wasn't going to be based in Hong Kong. So therefore, if that was the case, then I had to move back to the UK. If I went back to the UK, what was I going to do? So working for a small street construction company in Hong Kong. So therefore, the idea came up, why don't you then come and do something for, with Pacific Direct? Role undefined, initially. I mean, by this time, we were, it must have been a couple of years on, we did go out for a little while, and then I was kind of, I guess, manipulating in my head. Because <laughs> I needed help everywhere. I mean, we were growing so quickly. I didn't know it at the time, but in 19... 96 or 7, I think we were the 57th fastest growing independent company in Britain, which I only found out when I went to Cranfield Business School on a course, so that came as a bit of a shock. But I needed logistics and supply chain project management and, frankly, general sweeper-upper and kind of recognise those qualities in what Charlie was doing. If I think about how the role for Charlie came about, other than the fact that I needed a husband and uh, children because time was starting to tick by... You know, actually, the business was growing so quickly. It was a good choice to bring back a project manager to sweep up after all the promises and stuff that I was making around the market as I sort of invented Pacific Direct's future. So he came back in 95 before we got married. Charlie dictated that we would not be working and living at home because I'm pretty full on. He then, with Margaret, sorted the office and started just picking up endless projects, which were everything that you can think of, frankly, that didn't involve me doing product development and, and sales. Without Charlie, we wouldn't be where we are. And can you imagine ever having done this without Charlie? No, because I'm the front face of the business. I'm the salesperson. I'm the one with the reputation and the knowledge of hospitality because I am the seller, right? I have to be the expert. But the truth is, is that, and it's not just Charlie. I mean, the Pacific team were a priceless group of people who just delivered time and time again. And I think hugely inspirational in terms of my young age and my 
you know, my determination and my upbringing, I guess, that, you know, if you believe you can, you will. But also, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And for God's sake, employ people more talented than yourself. You know, don't get a dog and then expect it to bark for you. But it also take care of people. That was the main thing, employees. Yeah, I mean, Charlie was very good at buying cake and... But also between the two of us, culture was, for us, it had to be a happy place to work. I mean, before we had children, we would genuinely happily walk to the office on a Saturday morning, get three, four, five hours work done, and sometimes a full day on a Saturday. You know, I look back at those very happy times because we were very happy in our business, growing it and trying to keep a lid on it and it was going well and it was always a pretty joyful place to be I mean we used to play pranks on each other and you know we bought Easter eggs after Easter because they were half price but at least everybody got a better Easter egg and then we'd have an Easter egg hunt which was an absolute riot it was an enormously happy place to work yeah because I think um, one of the myths that exist around being a couplepreneur is just how people do it and also why people do it and I think it takes a special relationship to be able to do that or perhaps it just takes in our case it was the way it was going to work for our lifestyles and Charlie has enormous graciousness at putting up with my energy and yeah, but we didn't work. Yeah, but we did. We don't. We you're not, you're not working in the same area as the business, so that's the key thing, I think. We weren't both basically gobby salespeople. Lauren was the salesperson. I'm not the salesperson. I'm happy, quite happy in the background doing the bits and pieces. But that's where it works, yes. I think. But yes. if you're both extremely strong, sort of salesperson character type characters, then you we'd understand. struggle seeing that work. Yeah. So what's quite interesting is that you came into the business, but you weren't sure exactly what you were going to do, but you've got two very different skill sets here. I was sure what he was not going to do, which is he was never going to be a salesperson. Yes. And what made me happy is not being in the office and being out selling. And then, frankly, creating this sort of calculated chaos. And it was calculated, but, you know, some of the needs as the business got bigger were pretty large. And Charlie endlessly delivered on stuff because we had a momentum and I did the financial overview and we were absolutely keen to look after the finances because as a company my father went bankrupt because cash was not king you know turnover was vanity and profit is only sanity but with cash you can do stuff right your father's gone bankrupt you're very much driven by knowing what your numbers are and so those gifts that I had also at you know doing pocket money as a child and having not very much because my dad went bankrupt underpinned an intelligent way of looking at the way we grew and we retained shareholding I learned bank funding mechanisms and went out with my begging bowl but never to sell shares because you can't really get shares back often so hang on to your equity for all of its worth and Charlie was very gracious and sort of trusted me and supported me endlessly and actually we didn't really talk about the upper mechanics of the business because there was such frankly ferocious pace growing the business the timely stuff was charlie can you get a warehouse in brazil when do you need it by yesterday (laughs) yeah you know and he'd deliver time and time again can i have a new phone system or actually it's customer service isn't good enough or we need to buy another server oh my god the relentless development and investment in it none of which i did and he would deal with all of everything nothing ever ruffled my show i just went out and sold stuff So when you met originally, can you imagine, if I'd said to you that you two will work together in the future, can you imagine that being a thing? Mm, No, I didn't think, I didn't know how long it was going to last, if it would work or not. It was a trial. 
We definitely were open-minded and sort of said, we'll suck it and see. We were advised by lots of friends, you're idiots, why are you doing this? And we said, in all honesty, I can't see what what difference it makes. We seem to be getting on okay. Married life is okay. Working life is good. Until something goes wrong, then we carry on. But as, as the business grew, then the meetings every day between us got further and further apart because we didn't see each other for days. Mm-hmm. Apart from maybe at breakfast and dinner. Uh, and actually or... in that case, I, I got pissed off because he was quite slow at getting up in the morning, so I bought a second car so I could get to work and he could do the first child's breakfast because ultimately I was missing hours of the day in which I could be getting ahead. I'm pretty competitive and I don't like being constrained in, in any ways. And genuinely, we did buy the second car so that he could do Katie and I could get to work. And, you know, Charlie was faultless because he would get home in time, take over from childcare and... I might be in another country on the other side of the earth more times than you'd like to remember. So just on that, because you now have three daughters, don't you? Yeah. So you're running the business and you're having three <laughs> little girls. Carrying on as normal. So Well, the deal was 18 months, so nine months in my tummy, six months of breastfeeding and then three months of kind of hanging around and then I was free to go because I'd done my 18 months and the next 18 were hit. I mean, we laughed about it, but do you remember that? How true that was. And it was, literally, because I kind uh, of felt had, I'd done the right thing. But we, we also employed a, a, a nanny called Kate, um, who was how old she was. She was 21 when we employed her, and she's with us for... 11, 12 years. 11, 12 years in the end. Uh, she was world-class. And still, and still we see dear friend. once, twice a year. You know, it's important, because those people are actually what have made us unbelievable hers, support. Yeah, it had been, been almost impossible towards the end, because mm. we were both travelling... A stupid amount. So again, you know, one of the myths that exist is, you know, how do people do this? How do they maintain a work-life balance? So tell me more about, you know, we live in a world now where work and play and everything blurs. Because we didn't have a mobile phone in the way that you do today with everything on it. And actually, Charlie and I very rarely talked about work at home other than if we were out for a walk uh, with the dogs or... Yeah, it wasn't constant, no. By any shape. And in fact, at weekends, I mean, you know, it was family time because what's the point of having kids if you're not going to see them? And he had an absolute rule, which is one of us would be home by 6, 6.30 at night during the week. And if I was in the country and he'd been doing more than his stint, it would be me that would go home. I might work later in the evening, but our rule was, is what's the point of having a family if you're going to let someone else bring them up? So we never had a nanny that stayed in until Katie was 11 years old. And that was because life had changed and we'd moved down south and yeah, we were in the process there. of selling the business. And in the end, how many people were in the business kind of before you... Uh, 476. Worldwide, about, <laughs> yeah, worldwide, yeah. yeah. That was two, two factories, several offices around the world and obviously the UK office. Quite but actually, at the end, we didn't even live near the UK office in Bedford. We'd moved three hours away to Wiltshire because I was flying out of Heathrow every week. We tried to apply the same cultural rules across China in the Czech Republic where the factories were. Charlie would go and visit the factories and spend time drinking beer and doing the right thing in Czech and China and we had great friends all over the world which was real privilege. It was fun. I mean you know there were breakfasts at our house when there were board meetings and there would be seven nationalities at breakfast with my kids. That's pretty cool. What an experience. That's interesting because one of the themes that comes out is that the children of couplepreneurs are really brand savvy and really commercial, given that, as you've just alluded to, Lara, you know, you're having a breakfast meeting and the girls are sitting there just taking it all in. Tell me more about that. Do you, do you agree with that? Or uh, what's yeah, your to a certain degree I do. I think they get a company business talk a lot, but I think they, 
she say subconsciously it's gone into their minds about how companies work, how competition works, how business works. How to um, negotiate. How to negotiate, especially <laughs> the little youngster who's as good a salesman as Lara almost. The hardest thing is the money side of things where you've, you've made a wee bit of money in your life. You know, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? When their friends go on exotic holidays, do expensive this, that and the others, whereas we fly economy class everywhere we go. So that's one thing they, I think, find hard to understand at the moment. I think as they get older though, because Katie, who's our eldest, who has done pub jobs and earned her own money and they've all washed cars and there have been clear rules. I mean, you know, you may call it old-fashioned parenting. We like to think of it as that's the way we were brought up and we value money and the things that we earn. But Charlie and I's marriage is very much aligned in terms of personal values and expectations. And, you know, we, I think one of the best quotes I know is you're not remembered for the business person you are, but for the mother or the father. And in my case, I work with him to be annoyingly stubbornly determined you know no tech at table we eat family meals these values aligned to the way we put our people first still today the way you know charlie and i will go and set up a stand in flipping leads because we've got a business that's had a bit of trouble and we'll give up our weekend time and you know the kids see us make the right sacrifices at different stages of the businesses so that hopefully we lead by example and show them that actually we can shift boxes still and we can do exhibition stands and we can work long days because we can't expect others to do that for us unless we are also prepared to start at four in the morning and do what the right thing is, you know, and it's not fun all of the time. You know, we always wanted to travel and lead an interesting life. Now, we've also got teenagers who are, to some extent, of course, they're joyful restrictions, but equally we want to have a balanced life. So we're starting as we finally get teenagers old enough to walk dogs and and look after themselves to have a little bit of freedom but equally you know when we sold the business 11 years ago Charlie and I had a conversation and it was I'm going to continue working and he's like I'm very happy doing property and he has you know been masterful and brilliant at covering my ass forever. Lots of people lots of couplepreneurs have exited businesses and some have gone on to do other things together some have never wanted to work together again or they've taken their money and done lots of different things you have both chosen to do other things in terms of setting up the functionality brand tell us about mental strength and how you felt in the run-up to and throughout the sale process in terms of selling what is kind of your baby and both your baby that you really nurtured took it globally and then sold it on i Failed to exit Pacific Direct in 2004, like I failed most things at least once. Slow learner. The experience of that took me off to Stanford, and uh, I went to a course called Strategy is Destiny, and it made me very, very clear about what I'd not done right and what I needed to do right next time in leadership and, you know, the myriad of relentless problems that I create for myself characteristically or just because enterprise is difficult. It's not easy. I reflected on when you run an exit process, it's brutal and it's hard. And the most important thing is you must keep the maintenance and the momentum of the current business and the management team delivering on the results and the growth or else you'll get stung by exit. Charlie was priceless and really bought me time and was respectfully aware that it was hard. I mean, you'd work high days, holidays, through the process at relentless questions and getting the business ready to be in its best condition in 2007. Then you put the IM out and you're working weekends writing that and getting advice. You know, I would work 
I, that was the hardest. Yeah, well, you, you were driving by, the, by that side. The business you had to carry on working from normal nine to five hours. So yes, you, you can't just stop a business because you think you're selling it. Absolutely. And so. you can make grave mistakes. But again, he really stepped up during that period. But equally put no pressure on me. We kind of really didn't discuss what was happening unless I chose to say, by the way, this happened. And what do you think? Because he's always been a, a sounding board that I valued. The process is, is relentless. And the one thing that was hugely valuable to me is both organisations like the Supper Club, which is an enterprise club. And, you know, a couplepreneurs club could be extremely valuable because you've got kind of an independent advisory group of other business people that you're not paying that will brutally tell you when you're being an arse or otherwise. Knowing that Charlie had my back and knowing that I could say, look, if this isn't going well and I choose not to sell, he's like, crack on, we're doing pretty well. I mean, you know, we're making 3.3 million EBITDA, turning over 18 and a half million quid. We were a flipping solid business. I was 39 years old when I went into the exit process. I didn't need to sell. So we were in that extremely luxurious position where your majority shareholders, 99%, frankly, it was unbelievably lucky to be, and, you know, we worked to be in that position, but we knew we were in a strong position. And what we consistently felt, I think, is that, you know, me being away 221 nights in one year was enough. Time to go. Mm. Time to stop risking it on the eight ball. And how lucky were we because, you know, we sold on the 2nd of April 2008 and then the world turned tits up. So we do know that we've somebody paid us back for the hopefully things that we've given to others and supported and behaved appropriately. Yes. And what happened after the sale? So you kind of wake up in those days and weeks afterwards. You were saying, Lara, that you wanted to to carry on and Charlie was saying, well, yeah, I'm happy I, I, to do other things. I think it was a couple of months or so of... Either was not really knowing what to do, but we, we carry on the business once it was sold for. I kept my job for six months <laughs> or seven months after having a blowout with the then new. new CEO. Within 12 months of the company being bought, the whole original board of directors, which had about 105 years of experience, had left the company, which shows something about how the new owners and the culture changed almost overnight. Within the nine months I'd gone and I was quite happy after that because it wasn't the company which we had started or I wanted to work for. And how long were you then in the business? So I was there uh, until January the 11th, the following year. I know these dates because some of them were pretty telling and I'm quite good on numbers. My departure was somewhat sudden. I believe all good things with private equity come to an end at some stage with a, you know, opinionated ex-owner. But actually we then, you know, went travelling with the children for five months, took them out of school. We had a, a holiday that was life-changing for all of us getting back together. Not luxury hotels, you know. <laughs> we put a cooler box in the back of a pickup no, truck in New Zealand. five-month trip to Asia. We only booked East, one hotel, uh, which wow. was the hotel which the nanny came to so that we could all say goodbye to the nanny after a holiday with her in Singapore, which was horrific in terms of the goodbye. And how old were the girls at this point? Katie was what? 11? 11, 11. 7, 6. Yeah. Wonderful. And it was amazing. I mean, we weren't, certainly I didn't want to travel, not to many places. I'd had enough of that, but we had the most amazing trip and then came back and we refurbished an old rectory together. I deluded myself that I would drive the children to school and be a very happy sort of mother making local friends. And that lasted, I don't know, feels like... About a week. Felt like years, to be fair. 
but I was gradually trying to sort of experiment and find out what did I want to do next and you know I can call it a strategy it's not that would be a lie but gradually we've kind of been very fortunate that we've been approached by young people with great brand and product ideas and we're product mm -hmm. people and now I can reverse engineer the strategy that I invest in wellness and health products that save time and improve life and actually genuinely if they don't fit that portfolio these days the title of actually genuinely being a great product or something that is also I can take global because you know we've sold in 110 countries I didn't want to travel for a long period of time but actually that's 11 years ago now I quite like traveling again I don't necessarily do it at the level that Pacific was furiously relentless I'm thoroughly enjoying messing around and Charlie will come to the odd ridiculous weekend event in Germany to discover new market or what did we do earlier we went to Baston Liège Baston Liège cycle race because yeah. I wanted to study the meticulous way professional cycling works we both have a passion for cycling you know there's various things we do or we're doing but also you know I'm going away on holiday on Friday my phone is going off for three weeks and my teams of six companies will manage and, and all of these brands sit under functionality mm, so that's not no, kind of the entire no, structure I no. want the flexibility to buy and sell business okay buy and sell shares functionality is kind of the umbrella group I mean the, the structure is such that it leaves me total flexibility to buy and sell and what I also know is structurally I'm not interested to play the kind of role which is either completely hands-off like my investment in energy gyms we have small shares and then there's the sort of barrier to entry which is if I can't get excited to jump out of bed meaning 20% or more I'm not jumping out of bed and I'm not putting my money in a business I get gifted shares from time to time for mentoring but they'll only get so much help because time is money. Charlie and I had a discussion that there's kind of two and a half years ago I was getting it pretty wrong and pretty miserable and in fact I would say that since I sold Pacific I've had my biggest mind challenges. Things weren't going right, it was pretty tough and you know I've got a nice portfolio, I don't need to invest in anything else now, it's about growth. But you know that's 11 years mm. on working out what I want to do and the mm. last if three months have been the happiest three months since 11 years ago. That's you, and, pretty phenomenal. And you just touched up around mental strength there, Laura. And I wonder, and I don't have any empirical evidence yet, but I wonder to what extent the mental health of an entrepreneur versus co-founders versus a couplepreneur is stronger or kind of weaker. And I just wonder, given that you two have worked together for so long and you have each other's backs, there is strength. There's a set of skill sets that come together on a very complementary here mm. what's your view around this whole area of, of mental strength together living together being together running it together i'm interested to hear what charlie thinks because i mean you know i escaped to my london flat middle of the week because i need my space with me and and i also imagine he needs me to escape because i'm a bloody nuisance at home yeah, I do. I think we do. We do need space because towards the end of the Pacific days, we were probably seeing each other every two, three days, really, in reality. Probably and sometimes not for sometimes two weeks. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I, my way of thinking is, is we just get on and do it, and how bad it is. Is not as long as you can breathe and you can walk and you can talk, life is good. You might get a bit down occasionally, but honestly, just get up and pick yourself up and get on with it. Um, I know it doesn't work for everybody. You do need space. I'm quite happily being back in the middle of nowhere in the countryside now, sort of looking after some of the, the properties we have, working with kit bricks and not... Not getting, on a timetable, really. Not on I a think. timetable. So I don't want to build on, I don't want a, a timetable job, so I'm happily getting involved now again 
on my own terms rather than having to be sort of, a, sort of a, an employee type thing. But how interesting that you were saying there would be times when we didn't see each other for two days or for longer, whereas there is sometimes a perception when I talk to people about being a couplepreneur that people say, well, I don't want to be living together and working together and everything all in, uh, and everything uh, is all in, but I think you're right. A lot of the I time... I think it depends what type of business it is. Totally. I'm sure it depends what type of business it is. Totally. Whereas ours was a big enough business and now what we now so the portfolio of interest we've got is still big enough whereby you need the space we work on top of each other 24 hours a day seven days a week i'm sure it would not last almost guarantee it wouldn't last i also think that you know i mean we are very lucky that our skill sets and our characteristics our styles are so contrastingly different i mean be under no illusions i've done belbin on my husband i've i know the disc theory I have intelligence around behavioural reading, Myers-Briggs. I mean, the point is, isn't it, that you come back from Stanford and you've been on a course with one of the world's best negotiators. And I remember Margaret O'Neill saying to me, Lara, you are not to apply these skills to your husband. Your marriage won't last. And it's true because I can negotiate what I want. You know, I've practised it, I've trained in it, I continue to learn in it, and I don't apply it to my married life, always. Is there a couplepreneur relationship versus a Lara and Charlie at home relationship? Do you know what? No, I don't really think so. I don't think it much as... Well, actually, if it, people would be surprised, but, you know, I mean, given the strength of my character, which, you know, you have to have to a certain extent when you're having to play the role of the leader, which was just because I turned up first and I kind of hung in there and kept learning. You know, at home, we share everything, duties, we laugh about her indoors which is me and if it's outside it's his job and yes of course he has to do the bins but equally until about two years ago I did all the washing I never did the ironing because I don't iron for anybody I had a house cleaner but I would arrange all of that you know ultimately even if kids had birthday parties at weekends when we were working I was the mother in that relationship in a traditional sense and we kind of have a natural divide of resources and share the shit and you know the dogs get walked and somehow it works and it has led us to where we are and no marriage is perfect it's not you know without stresses and strains but I think we find a balance and every now and again I cry and say to him I don't get enough attention and he pretends to change and we sort of go around the merry-go-round but we're perfectly happy and yet I have this huge privilege where I choose to do what the, I feel. I choose to do pretty much what the bloody hell I like almost every day and he probably does exactly the same. Mm. But, you know, it's kind of working. I mean, the, the investment thing is very much driven by me but I ask for Charlie's advice and thoughts and he probably does know this but you know I always make sure he's met the people before I make a final decision or I get a sense check on kind of sometimes people come to the house and I value his judgment you know after all it's our money but equally I'm very respectful of the risk I take using what I consider to be what is family money which we earn together. No it also goes back to what you asked about the mental side of things that we will get in a position whereby Lara has invested in every company that walked through the door two three years ago so therefore now we've got a you know a, a small selection of, of companies which we either we run 100% of the time or we have investments in and you can't be all things to every man all the time and Laura wants yes. to be everything to everybody all the time 28 hours a day seven days a week that's where the mental side of yeah she was falling apart 
she was getting stressed. That was hard. And Charlie, did Lara know <clears throat> she was falling apart? Or I, she, I, think, I think she did, but was, I think you were trying to basically man it out, so to speak, or woman it out, rather. And, and what so happened? We agreed that there'll be no more investments. You don't need any more problems to be thrown up into the air because... Problems he uses, opportunities, I like to think. But, yeah. you know, that is the world of the pessimist and the optimist, and, isn't it? And because most of the, the, the investments you have, we take an active role in running the businesses, that takes a lot of energy and time. And I like to mentor and educate and grow, but I wasn't getting that time, so there was no rewarding enjoyment of seeing someone grow and develop, which is what I love. You know, and I want to employ young people and give them opportunities. I want to give people that maybe haven't had the right opportunities chances. And we've also employed a literally world-class proper president, Sherry Oral in the States, who runs Centred. And, you know, Centred is very important to me because I think it can bring mindful therapy and just a moment to stop and breathe. And I suffered pretty badly from stress and anxiety, which people don't know, because actually you're trying to fake it till you make it you're looking like you're in control but actually you know I was running a business with nearly 500 staff nine companies around the world two factories one in China and the Czech Republic it was flipping hard work it's not surprising I suffered from a bit of tiredness (laughs) and you know sleepless nights and and worry because actually I had the family lottery in my hand you know I owned 99% of it I'd put 17 years with Charlie everything and you know times where we didn't pay ourselves and Charlie didn't get a salary for the first... uh, Three years. Because, Mm. you know, that was the way we needed to run the business to grow it to the best of our abilities. And, you know, that's where... God, the faith that he must have had in me. I mean, talk about a madman. We didn't know that owning 99% of a business our size was so rare. And that's because I didn't spend my time comparing the size of my what's-its with someone else's. I just got on and ran a damn good business with Charlie. And what percentage did you, did you have of Pacific when you sold it? 99%. Okay. Yeah. And my mum had one. Yeah. And one yeah. I mean, private equity were like, let's just get this really straight, because they'd never seen a 3.3 million EBITDA. I mean, maybe it's because it was in a woman's name as well. I don't know. I, I'm pretty facetious about that, but I, I didn't realise. In some cases, we have very large chunks. I'm very happy to disclose it, but much more importantly, the benefit of holding on equity and starving like we did to reinvest... has given us frankly freedom and choice for the rest of our lives we also personally gave away two million pounds in cash to the team that got us here and for us that has been a moment of immense pride I mean we laughed about it but night after night we had this spreadsheet deciding who got what and riotous things were taken into account because it got us to where we were with that Pacific team so you know the fact that Carol and Margaret would babysit the puppies and you know it all adds up and mm. people bailing us out so you know now I, I'm not the same I've learned lessons 99% was wrong but it did allow us to then continue to own 19.8% until the second exit which was an absolute gift that I learned at Stanford you know if you've got a large shareholding hang on to some of it whether you want it or not it's an asset and it paid out dividends not just that you know today when it's our invention I want to own a lion's share. Why mm. shouldn't I? Because it gives me lots of cards to play with. But as you've talked about challenging moments, I quote Lara and your sweaty knicker moments, kind of the OMG moments in one's life. So I just wanted to ask you both, well, what's been the biggest sweaty knickers moment or moments over the time that you've worked together? I'm interested to know what you think of. I mean, I know... 
When I failed to sell Pacific in 2004, it was actually the most extraordinary story, but a great lesson in enterprise. We had a heads of terms at 11.2 million in writing. And that night, de Menezes got shot on the tube and the pension fund giving the money to me through the backing of the exit decided to rescind their offer because they felt tourism was a bad place to be. So I didn't sell in a completely disconnected way, in the same way that when Osama bin Laden rained on our planade, you know, we That's nearly lost everything. And I didn't even consider putting the house up as collateral as a sweaty knickered moment. I do remember thinking if Charlie had found out I'd done it, that would be a sweaty knickered moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, correct. So Charlie... No, I think my only sweaty knickered moment was really was in the early, early days when we were thrown into turmoil when our supplier from China decided not to supply us anymore. And when we then had to... Um, set up our own plant. Set up our own plant in China, having no experience in manufacturing. That was my, I think... Uh, I had absolute faith in him at all times. Could he sort it out, please? That, that sounds like a sweaty nicker moment that happened, but also some, some time after that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a huge undertaking. It was massive, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, we do, we, that it's was... funny, though, because Hong Kong and China were my home. I, that didn't really well, bother no, that me. Yeah, that wasn't the point, because I did that for 10 years as well, but it, yes. and, and worked in China for years. But the point was, you know, having no experience in running a manufacturing plant, building something, yeah, easy, piece of cake. But actually running a plant and employing the right people, in the end it, it turned out that we hadn't employed the right person. But the early days of setting up the factories was the, uh, I reckon for me, no, I mean the rest of it, the selling of the companies, yeah, it was hard work. But it wasn't as hard for me because I wasn't in all of the negotiations. Yes. I mean, actually, you make me think, you know, I was responsible for growth of a fast-growing enterprise. That was pressure, but it's something you just live with as a salesperson, right? And if you haven't got the gumption don't do it. I mean, nowadays, I, it's kind of grey-haired experience, you know, I, the world hasn't ended yet. I've pushed it quite hard on some of the promises I've made, so I've been lucky. I think, ultimately, you know, your health and your fitness are so important in life, irrespective of everything else. I mean, Charlie and I, sort of, it's an unwritten thing that we've always eaten well, looked after ourselves. We're both sports people, so we've always made the effort to stay fit. When I had babies, I swam a mile every morning. But more importantly, you know, sleep, recovery. I can get away with very little sleep, but actually I've respected the sleep that I get enormously. When you say little sleep, just define that for well, us. In the, uh, in, in the hard times at Pacific, there were days where I would, I guess, sleep five hours and 30 minutes or less. So respecting the amount of sleep that you get is really important. I can perform pretty well on very little. And I mean, there were things that we did with booking travel trips, which, you know, looked after the pennies so that the pounds would look after themselves. So I might fly into Dubai, work all day, intend to fly to Hong Kong so that I could sleep in flight, work all day in Hong Kong, fly up to China, <laughs> sleep on the flight. You know, this is pretty hardcore and you might get four hours of sleep in some days and then do factory visits and I don't regret a thing but I do know that by eating well and looking after my health and exercising regularly I have been able to achieve more than many people you know my health has been excellent and I think the thing that you value beyond everything I think we recognize probably as we get older as well you know yeah. you can't buy your health so you've got to work at it and that probably is what underpins also my mindset and I, I've been lower since selling Pacific Direct mentally. In fact, it's the only time I've suffered what I would call mental stress because I've worried that, you know, because we have the choice to do what we like, 
we both agree that we want to demonstrate to the children that you still work. And those are the things that we worry about mm. probably more yeah. than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, characteristically, you know, I'm the one that says, Charlie, can we do this? And sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says yes. I mean, we're working on an amazing project at the moment where his expertise will be priceless in terms of helping a factory operate more smoothly. But it happens to be a factory of 85% blind people. I mean, what a privilege to be able to bring our skills and for me to be able to sell SoapCo products to hotels. That is something that rocks my boat and makes me very happy because we might create a sustainable income stream for people for the rest of their lives to have good work. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. And that's very important to you, isn't it? Very. The whole giving, giving back, helping, mm. mentoring. What would you tell an aspiring couplepreneur if they came into the room now and said, we're thinking about setting up together? I think very clearly defined roles. I mean, genuinely. I mean, whenever you recruit somebody, you should define the role because it's not the person, it's the role, right? My personal view is one of you has to be top dog. Yeah, the, yeah, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I, I, but there always will be. You also then got to communicate and respect the other person equally in equal measure. So um, yeah, there's always be one, you know, so-called pig-headed, loud mouth in the relationship. Whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't make any difference. Well, it shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, we do come across. I mean, I have come across places where I think possibly the quieter partner is the more talented partner. That you can feel the stress, right? I mean, we did discuss roles that you wanted to do, and Charlie also was unequivocally clear, these are the things I'm not doing. I don't feel comfortable doing, it's not for me. And we still have those conversations today where I go, can you help me with this project? And I mean, even last night we're sitting at the airport and I'm bullying him into brainstorming features and benefits so that we can make an eco-sustainable bag and we're having discussions. And again, his expertise outplays mine because he's more knowledgeable. And also we're very privileged that today in the second time round, I think I spend probably a lot more energy on the sustainability, intelligence. I'm very privileged in the hotel world to be pretty respectful and respected and, and perhaps influential because I think through hospitality we can educate people about recycling and the environment and the impact we have on society. And the gig economy is changing, but actually our children don't see the same divide of the traditional 25 years in a role and, and a Rolex watch and thanks very much, you know, in one company. And I mean, we have been with it enough that my office has been in my handbag for the best part of 30 years. It's my laptop. Yeah. You talked about kind of health and well-being and looking after yourselves and eating well and also having time to yourselves. So a question I have is, where is your safe place? So do you have a safe place, whether that's physical, spiritual, where you go to possibly on your own together as a family um, to just have time for yourselves to refresh, to recuperate? Hmm. I sit on a tractor. You sit on your tractor? I sit on With tractor. big aspirations to get a yet bigger tractor every time we see machinery. I right. like it, I like it. Yeah. We dog walk together and quite often cycle together on a Friday afternoon, evening or early in the morning on a Saturday and Sunday before we go and have a coffee like a couple uh, yeah, of old dears. We, we, do, we do go to the local t- little town, Tisbury, to have a, a coffee and a croissant nearly every Saturday morning. Because that's know, the sort of catch-up. That's, that's sort of catch-up for the week, what's been going on, etc. So we mm. do that, not religiously, but it's something it's sort of we, we, enjoy, we, enjoy, we, it. we enjoy doing it. You know, family holidays are, are pretty sacred, equally... There are no weapons in the kitchen, you know, when it's mealtime and it's family time, there's no interruptions. 
sometimes we make mistakes and push boundaries. They do, but the children do say, you know, why is it we're the only family they know that have at the, at the breakfast, sometimes lunch we're there, but I mean, and, 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 and dinner, supper, whatever you want to call it, is always at the table. You know, and the conversation's fantastic. And in fact, my 18-year-old said to us at the weekend, I love this time when we just sit here and and actually they are very, very special times because, you know, they're coming and going. And there are times where I will come to London and there may be a dinner that I could have gone to, but actually I've chosen to stay in my flat and clear the decks so that I can thoroughly enjoy the weekend. And, you know, my sacred other time is I'm, because I sleep less, I will do two, three hours on a Saturday morning of work before we go for coffee, walks and dogs and because it clears the decks and I've got my clean things to do list but it's just because I'm systematic habitual relentless I love what I do what a privilege and knowing what you know now would you have done it all over again and would you have done anything different you can't for me I mean I just think we're so bloody lucky with our journey exactly it wasn't planned things happen to fall into place you know and we've done the best that we could do but don't also be under any illusions that this is a pain-free journey I mean there have been times where members of staff have come to me and said you know this hasn't happened and it might have been Charlie related and that has created stress or I have created embarrassment for Charlie because I don't know I've overstepped the mark or something or made people feel uncomfortable for something I've said in the office and let's be under no illusions that we don't want to give a message that working together is either easy or difficult it, it's something to be treated with respect I mean of course communication if if you can work with each other talk to each other most importantly laugh at and with each other but you also enjoy what you're doing if you don't enjoy what you're doing then the whole thing is going to fall apart anyway and because it was so enjoyable because everything was different every day was different so that was that was enjoyable and it still thing. is and the people you're working with were great to work with that was also good and as um we are all in our sixth decade around the table my final question to you is what would you tell your 21 year old self I just hope and wish that people would find and keep searching for the thing they love doing because I cannot imagine being trapped in a role and I mean trapped or feeling trapped in a role or a job or a skill that I just I'm doing because it's a job. I didn't go to university. Charlie didn't go to university. We now have a child at university, but you know, I don't care whether my children go to university. I want them to follow their passions. They get nothing from us. They know that. Not entirely nothing, but you know, we want them to make their way in the world. And and therefore, I think if you follow your passion, actually, somehow you become infectious with the joy of your life. I think fundamentally, like I was brought up, put into life as much as you wish to take out and the world will give more to you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlie, for you? I think getting married at 35 was an extremely good idea, so I wouldn't change myself from being 21 to 35. I had the time of my life between those years, and since, I'll quickly add. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is, and I think, you've got, you've got to, I think you just enjoy life. Obviously, you've got to keep your head above water. Pay your way. Pay your way. I think life is there to enjoy, you make the most of it. I wouldn't change myself and wanting to go back from being anything other I was when I was 21 years old, no. But I'm glad the experience I had since we've been married because I think Lara gave the opportunity of doing something different from project manager in a building trade to project Global manager, operations project, director with a large presidential well, title. Well, no, I like, I like to say my, 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 my name card was global operations director, which was which, which short form was God. <laughs> 
And yours was yours Chief was Big Potato, because there's potato. no respect around our place. Top yeah. banana yeah. in America was the card. Yeah. The Americans never work that out. Yeah. President's a bit boring. Yeah. But all the best, but would have been the best one they'd ever had. But it, you know, I mean, but, hey but in the family, going back to what the daughters, we, we are quite competitive, both of us. And unless you get a podium finish in anything you do, we don't talk about it in the family really because you're not really worth talking about, which is a bit unfair, but um, a bit tongue in cheek. I would just like to say to the chief big potato, thank you, and to God. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, so thank you very much. We wish you continued great success, and it's incredible to see the mentoring and all of the work that you're giving back after your great successes. Thank you. So to Lara and Charlie from Couplepreneurs, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you.